going to ring you back because I've got some people here asking me technology questions. <laughs> I'll ring you later then, okay? Bye. She just ran for a chat. Hello everyone, you're listening to Aging in a Digital World. This episode focuses on the research question, is technology a useful tool for social engagement in later life? I think it's marvellous. I mean, to, for my generation, it's like a blinking miracle. We weren't allowed to use mobile phones in general practice because they weren't reliable enough. Everyone was because, you know, I was, I was around in the time of floppy disks. I don't know if you remember. Way back in the, I think, 90s, companies went over from hard copy manuals to computers. My name's Dr Gemma Wilson. I'm a research fellow in applied health at the Department of Nursing, Midwifery and Health at Northumbria University, Newcastle. As a researcher and a health psychologist, I'm deeply interested in ageing and social and digital participation. It's clear to me that technology is not just a tool for one generation, but it's been used by multiple generations in all different ways. This podcast focuses on a study that was funded by the British Academy as part of the BEA and Leverhulme Small Research Grants Fund. And we're working in collaboration with Swansea University. We've interviewed 20 adults over the age of 65 from all around the UK. We spoke at length with these individuals to explore their own experiences of using technology and using social media to connect with others. We learn to adjust to our world through communication with our family and with our communities. Who would have thought that even a decade ago, a microchip would become the centre of all of our communication with the world? Our lives are out there every day on social media, like social bulletins, updating the world moment to moment. The birth of a child, a trip to the Bahamas, what we ate for dinner and what we're thinking right now, everything is online. As FaceTime replaces real-time with friends and family and postcards become ancient relics, the research team ask the questions, how do older adults use technology? Do they use technology to connect with others? And is it a helpful tool for them or does it make them more isolated? In this podcast, we try to answer some of those questions. So could you tell us a little bit about the use of technology? I think I'm pretty tech-savvy, actually. I use email, I text, that's with friends and family, texting. I mean, obviously, I've got a mobile phone. Oh, oh, yes, of course, Facebook and Twitter. We, we talk as a, as a family group on uh, WhatsApp, messages between me and my wife. It's mainly family. As I say, I use Messenger a lot. The kids and my friends and everything, they put photographs on for me just to keep in touch. I've had an Android smartphone for six or seven months and I'm still just getting used to it. I always need to ask my grandchildren, what do I do next? My iPad, probably nine years ago, predominantly because I was in hospital for long periods of time, or it got me through of being in hospital. I used it a lot in there. No, it's, it's taken over too many lives too much. And to be honest, I, I do think that the, the bad's outnumbering the good. My personal relationship with mobile phones changed a lot over the years. 
From the basic mobile phone that you could only make calls and play games such as Snake to becoming a significant part of my current life. I use it to email, to watch YouTube and to book holidays amongst many other things. Now I also watch my parents and my grandparents effortlessly handling mobile phones the size of their palms, swiping their fingers across the screens and managing multiple apps such as video chat, booking a taxi and ordering products from Amazon. Smartphones definitely aren't just for the younger generation. First and foremost, we're social beings, whether we use technology or not. And as we spoke to our contributors and began to understand their reasons for using technology, we found that older adults were joining social media platforms to have meaningful online relationships with the people that they already knew. They were finding long-lost friends and acquaintances from different periods of their lives and rekindling their friendships. This seemed like a special experience for them, one that made them feel more in touch with people rather than lonely. Indeed, technology was becoming their ally in being able to connect with others living further afield, such as friends and family living abroad. People, the families are at a distance. I think that helps people who are lonely because they know they can put the screen on and even in the middle of the night, it's daytime on the other side of the world. My daughter lives in Glasgow, my son lives in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I've got family in London and family in New York. And, you know, so it's, it's one of the best ways of keeping in contact with my family around the world. As I said, I volunteer at this heritage centre and, and I, I, I get the impression that people who live on their own, and there are a lot of uh, widows and widowers, they use it for company and they communicate for company. It gives them comfort, I think. Overall, the response to technology as a social connector was very positive. People felt that social media and technology generally was very beneficial for them, but they did worry about their peers who didn't have access to this technology or access to social media. They worried that they would be cut off and held back because of this. A lot of the people that I know who are older than me, you know, and around my age and definitely older than me, they don't have computers. Other younger people tend to use a lot of computers and a lot of phone messages. And uh, I think, you know, older people can become quite isolated. Mm, I have one friend who doesn't even, doesn't have internet or anything. And I find it frustrating, actually, because... It's always difficult to contact him and get hold of him. Uh, you only have the landline phone. We took a closer look at one of our contributors' stories, Carrie. She shared with us how she was using social media to keep in touch with her children and her grandchildren. I'm just trying to think. I use WhatsApp with my granddaughter. Wonderful innovators, and they're very that's very good for sending bits of video, photographs, something like that. It must be really good as well for your son that's abroad. I know he, he doesn't live abroad, but he, he just travels, he just travels a lot. Well. Yeah, I mean, the best conversations are text conversations when he's at the airport because he hasn't got the children around him, so he's yeah. not distracted. And we often that's when we just yeah. chat by text. Isn't yeah. that strange? We sometimes phone each other up, but not always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of rather superstitiously text him when I know he's on his way back oh and that's the other thing I've got an app on my phone that f- tracks his flights 
flight something or other it's called and so I set that up and set, put his flights mm. in so you know when he's landed yeah this uh, actually takes me back to uh, they're 45 next week um, they're twins and when um, they were 18 they both went abroad for their year abroad and was in Zimbabwe you know there was no not even a phone in the village where mm. he was oh you must have been past yourself uh, I was a lot of the time Carrie is an active member of her community who participates in various social events and community engagements. Well, I, I belong uh, to the ukulele class and that is a very social event. We've got a Buddy Holly workshop this oh, afternoon. So, so we're all going in and we'll go in about an hour early so we go and sit in the cafe and mm-hmm. chat. Um, and that, it's very social. That mm-hmm. is very social. Um, I've got other more sort of earnest ways of uh, relating with people. We used to have a community association. It's kind of lapsed a bit. But through that, I met lots of people who live locally. Um, and I look after a little girl for my friend I met that way. It, I mean, she's 13, but she's got severe autism. So I look after her one evening while her mum goes out. But there's that kind of socialising. Using social media and technology has actually made communication more easy and purposeful for Carrie. This better suits her personality and her communication style but she is certain that it will never be a substitute for face-to-face contact with her loved ones. My family, they're always hard to get in touch with <laughs> because they're, they're very busy. And my, my daughter, one of my daughters-in-law, got two, um, you know, she, it's, I, I don't know what, she never seems to stop. I don't like to interrupt that right. busyness, you yeah. know. So I, I wouldn't ring them unless there was something I had to speak to them about. But yes, from time to time I do. I mean, I'm not someone who gets lonely. My, just to say a bit about my background is that I was widowed very early. I was only 34. And um, so I brought my kids up and I've always worked. And I'm kind of very independent. I don't think I would use it as a substitute for yeah. company. I just don't need the company. Perhaps I've got no cause to feel lonely yet. And later on, perhaps, I don't know. Based on similar experiences from participants within this study, the research team felt that technology as a social connector was an important outcome, but nothing could replace face-to-face contact. Technology was simply the best available alternative. Therefore, it made sense that video chatting and sharing photographs was the most preferred way of online communication because it's most reminiscent of face-to-face communication. Individuals shared that seeing one another really gave them a sense of how someone was feeling and that they could connect with them on a deeper level than using the telephone or other forms of online communication. I've only done one video call, two video calls, I think. <laughs> um, I got a video call from Australia. Uh, I, just, I just can't get used to the idea, although I think it is wonderful because... Um, my sister-in-law lives in Australia, and when she was visiting here, she was able to speak to her grandchildren face-to-face, which I thought was fantastic. I think messenger's good that I can see them. I mean, I still haven't got my head around that idea, you know, and I think it's marvellous. I mean, the kids are probably quite used to it, doesn't bother them, as I sit and pick her nose and this sort of thing when I'm sitting talking to them. <laughs> Thank you.
Another cluster of thoughts and feelings of the older adults involved in this study revolved around how they needed to rely on their friends and family when they initially were introduced to social media and various forms of technology. This was a brand new territory for them and required a little bit of nudging and confidence building with the help of a friend or family member who often gifted them their first smartphone or tablet. But I got it as a gift last year for my birthday, so I was quite used to my little Nokia, <laughs> my tiny Nokia phone, which was quite handy, you know. I am trying to use it to communicate with my grandchildren who were right up there with the phones. I think that I was pushed into it. Somebody bought me a pad, you know, and then I felt obliged to use it. I don't think I would have bothered buying one for myself. Go on to there. Yeah. On that one. So you've got 58 friends. How many? 58. Oh, which no. probably talks to all of them. Really? Have you contacted any of the friends or family or anybody else using Facebook? I've got loads. I've got all the family and then I've got their friends and I get into trouble if I go on Facebook too much, you see. Do you? My daughter and son-in-law. <laughs> see, you've been sharing again. Yeah. I think they're frightened I get into it with somebody, I think that's what it is. I may get a sugar daddy or something. <laughs> Anne, one of our study participants, shared with us that her first smartphone was given to her by her daughter so that she could be in regular contact with her parents. My daughter gave us her first phone to make sure she knew where it was because one night, um, it was when we lived at the other house and we were coming home on the metro and it broke down. And it was a horrible, horrible night, and uh, we couldn't get in touch with anybody, so, and she wasn't very happy. Wanted to know where we were. Her daughter also helped her to sign up to Facebook. I just signed up for that, would be a couple of years, three years ago maybe, and it was um, just to keep in touch with my nieces. I saw that she was on Facebook, and I, I thought, oh, I'll get. And then my, my granddaughter then got married, so uh, we took a lot of photos and things on sent them on Facebook. And now we all keep in touch with each other, so it's nice, especially now that I'm on my own, it's nice to do it, yeah. And I like to read one of the people of their remarks as well, because I'm nosy. Anne really enjoys the addition of technology to her life, being it ordering Kindle books or playing solitaire on the tablet. She loves it all and feels lost without a mobile phone. She prefers asking a family member for help if anything goes wrong with a mobile phone or if she gets stuck on social media. Because sometimes you do press something and then you, you, I just can't get back to where I want to be. If I sit long enough, I can, but, you know, patience. It was sometimes necessary for the older adults to continue receiving regular support from significant others, especially when it came to technical issues with their phones, with their apps or with social media platforms. Otherwise, their confidence often dwindled when using their devices. At the same time, like Anne's daughter, the encouragement to start with social media often came from family members themselves who wished to regularly check up on their well-being of their family or to arrange regular family catch-ups with their grandchildren via video chat. I've got two sons that are pretty good at it. One's an IT consultant, so, you know, I don't need anything too complex. I mainly manage it myself because I don't like asking for help. Um, but I think initially they introduced various things to me. Um... I'm just getting used to it. Like I said, I keep forgetting some of the instructions people have given me. Uh, but other than that, I think I will get, <clears throat> get into it a lot more. 
whereas this one, I can, I can do almost anything on it. I can get them to Google. Get to Google. If there's something I can't understand or names I've forgotten or songs, I can go straight on there. I've learned how to do it. As we explored the participants' experiences with technology and social media, we became aware that everyone had their own unique style and preference to online communication and their online presence. I mean, I believe I have an Instagram account, but I can't see what I'd want to put in the public domain. I mean, one of my relations telling me what she had for breakfast. I mean, am I interested in what she had for breakfast, you know? <laughs> Uh, I see it because I, I look at um, not people's but uh, football clubs and rugby clubs in uh, Facebook, but that's about it. I certainly don't do it on a personal level. As part of his profession, 67-year-old Adam was up to date with the use of technology. He had to keep up with technology and the digital generation to keep up with his work as an educator. Now retired, he spends a lot of time online, but he has a very reserved approach to social media. I mean, I, I probably am using this. I use it more broadly and, and you know, I'm happy sorting things out on the computer and editing things on, you know, videos or audio or pictures and stuff because that's what I used to do as part of my job. I don't feel hugely comfortable doing video chat. And... Uh, I have an Instagram account, but um, and I listen to the radio. Most of my media consumption is listening to the radio, um, and certainly on on Radio One, for example, there's lots of discussion of people, people's interactions through Instagram, which seems to be a lot of photographs. And my 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 youngest sort of ex partner puts a lot of stuff on Instagram about what she does. So I do go on there to see what she's about. But I couldn't be, I wouldn't want to have pictures of Beyonce, what she's doing, what she had for dinner. Yeah. Um, or, or the kind of things that people seem to do on that. So I do feel a little bit alienated from, from that particular aspect of social uh, media. So I, I, I occasionally put pictures on Instagram because there's a few members of my family who use it. Adam largely uses social platforms like Facebook to stay connected to his students and definitely with his family and friends, but he's not allowed social media to take over his life. So, I mean, I think certainly over recent times, a, a huge amount of my Facebook has been like political and, and I'm quite um, affected, involved and bothered, I think, by the whole use of Facebook, you know, particularly the Brexit stuff. So I'm obviously in a loop of anti-Brexit people, but I'm also aware one of my partner's friends uh, is, you know, extremely at the other end. Some of the things that she shares, you know, I actually complained to Facebook about it being inciting racial hatred. Facebook's response was just to block me from seeing that person. And I thought that was a very ineffectual sort of response. Therefore, when I look at Facebook, I mean, probably 50% at least of what I look at is related to politics and friends of mine sharing it, uh, other than pictures of my family, you know, at the beach or, or friends at the beach or a few things like that. You know, I find it quite a, 
a turmoil at the moment on, on something like Facebook, the, the mix of you know personalised advertising, uh, which I'm a little bit susceptible to. I have I have bought gadgets that I wouldn't have bought. Um, plus, you know, say plus cute kittens and laughable things, but a lot of politics. When digging deeper into Adam's story and looking at other similar storylines from other participants, we found that when it came to the culture around online communication, even the most active social media users exercised caution, specifically around what they were posting and where they were posting it. When it came to sensitive and private matters, they tended to directly message their friends and family rather than posting it publicly on their page. Also, the more passive users of social media mainly visited online profiles of other people rather than sharing the information themselves. And finally, a striking theme within the study focused on the barriers when initiating the use of technology and when using technology. The participants themselves brought up age as a barrier to their use of technology and also saw this as a barrier experienced by their peers. Another barrier was fear of breaking the devices and others were simply afraid of using social media due to the issues around online privacy and security. instrument and can go wrong you know all sorts of things um and so they get frightened of using computers i know a lot of my friends of my age hardly use mobile technology or computers and they just feel very uncomfortable and don't know what they're doing the only sort of reservations i have are um spotting scams or um sometimes buying on the internet i wonder you know if my everything's secure enough but it doesn't put me off, no. One important barrier when using digital devices was the individual's own physical functioning, such as their eyesight. Some participants chose to use larger devices, such as a tablet over a smartphone, due to the size of the screen. Persistent pain was also a common problem when it came to using technology, particularly pain within the fingers and the wrists, and this impacted the way in which individuals use this technology. This had some sway on the device purchased or the devices that the individuals could use. Design for all is an important aspect of all technology use so that it doesn't exclude specific user groups. I answer off So I do miss things um, if somebody else would do it for me. And I do find that that is a handicap because I am not good with my hands. Well, I would use it for everyone because I'm not frightened of it. But I can imagine um, handing a mobile phone to my mother, God bless her, who she wouldn't know what to do with it and she would never have known what to do with it. But if she has specific applications for her specific needs, calling the nurse or ordering the shopping, simple things like that, there's a place for it. She would, they wouldn't. A lot of the elderly. I'm elderly, but I don't consider myself technologically frightened. I think you can get to your 70s and there might be a minority of people who can take on the new technology straight away. But there would be, there's, I would think, a lot 
who can't handle it after their 70s. There's too much of it. If I hadn't have started doing it 10 or 12 years ago, I think at my age now, I would would struggle. Such challenges were evident when study participant, 73-year-old Helen, shared her struggles with technology. She faces health issues and experiences loneliness due to living by herself. She remains in regular touch with her family, which is a big comfort to her. Helen is currently building up her confidence and tackling her barriers around technology, as this is the only way to remain in contact with her family who live abroad. Could you just tell us a little bit about how you chat to your family? Um, well, mostly landline telephone, to be honest. Um, because I'm never sure whether they're at work or whether they're at home, you know, and I don't like to ring them when they're at work. But, uh, uh, but I can, sometimes, I do sometimes use Messenger, you know. But half the time, either they haven't got their pads on, or sometimes if they message me, I don't have mine on, you know. And I'll be sitting and I'll hear the tinkle kind of thing. But by the time I get my pad and puzzle out exactly what buttons I'm supposed to press, they're long gone anyway. Um, I was ill this time, and I think it frightened them. It brought it home to them that I'm here on my own, more or less, in the other you know, but I don't want to frighten them because I don't want to upset them because there's nothing they can do about it. Just one of those things where at least can keep in touch. Helen does worry that her age leaves her feeling a bit outdated and cut off from what's happening. In spite of attending classes to learn more about technology, she struggles with it and she prefers the simple features and push buttons or else she finds it frustrating and loses her patience easily. Um, I've tried, there must be loads of photographs and messages that I've sent them floating around in, what is it, cyberspace or whatever you call it, um, because they never seem to get them. But I, I press a button at this side, you know, so where they go, I just wow. haven't mastered it yet. I've been to classes and all sorts and I just can't take it. At computer classes, you know, and I could press buttons at the classes, the right things would come up, come home and try the same thing, and it was wouldn't happen. The commitment to remain in touch with the family so that they don't worry about her has given Helen the necessary confidence to keep up with technology as she gets more comfortable and she even enjoys it from time to time. I'd like to use it a bit more. I mean, I never ever thought for one minute I was thick, but by God, I'm beginning to wonder. Because I just can't take it in at all. It's different, isn't it? I'm starting to feel left out because I don't know it and I can't cope with it. And it annoys me that I can't take it in. I mean, why not? You know, there's no reason for me not to be able to. In an ideal world, kind of, how would you like to use the iPad a bit more? If there was only one button I had to press, I'd be fine with that. You know, it's just too many different variations kind of thing. To be honest, my hands aren't steady enough for to press the little buttons for the send message. Actually, I'm not quite so bad now, but at one time, if I didn't know how to work a thing, I wouldn't touch it. Whereas now, I do tend to experiment a little bit more. Now it's starting to grow on us and I'm, I'm getting a bit happier with technology. It was interesting to note that even those older adults who use technology regularly face some obvious barriers. These included cultural issues that were perceived to be generational differences and they impacted the way in which older adults use technology, specifically the way that they use social media. Interestingly, there was also intrinsic issues with age that impacted their own perception of how they could use technology, how they should use technology, and also impacted their perceptions of how their peers could and should use technology as well. Despite some of the negative aspects of technology use, the opinions of technology and of social media were overwhelmingly positive. 
It was so interesting to see how technology is being used for social connection with friends and with family. And this was especially true for the friends and family living abroad and living across the country, and also specifically for visual communication tools. The overall message from this research study was that even people who use technology on a regular basis, technology was still only a tool for social connection. A welcome tool, but only a tool. And it certainly wasn't a replacement for face-to-face communication. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, Aging in a Digital World. We really hope that you enjoyed it and that you found the findings of our research project insightful. This phase of the research project was used to inform a second phase, which was a national larger study of UK older adults. We hope we publish in findings from both parts of our project over the next few months, so please do keep an eye out for them. Thanks again for listening. throughout my life really now I've got many gadgets that um, are part of my life and uh, that, that I would actually miss if I don't have now it's a good invention it's great as long as you don't let it take over your life I, I just think there's a danger of it going too far in, in interpersonal dealings with people that shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be exposed but apart from that I think it's brilliant This podcast was funded by the British Academy as part of the B.E. Levy-Hume Small Grants Fund. I'd like to thank the research team, Jessica Gates, Dr. Santosh Vijayakumar and Dr. Deborah Morgan, as well as the participants that have taken part. Each individual's name used in this podcast is a pseudonym and all other identifying names have been removed to comply with ethical guidelines. This is an educational, not-for-profit project carried out by the research team at Northumbria and Swansea Universities. For further information on the project, please contact myself on the email address gemma.wilson at northumbria.ac.uk or find me at Twitter at Dr Gemma Wilson.